worship at St. John's Church. I am Steve Quist. This is my wife, Cassie. I'm the vice president of the council here, uh, and we together run St. John's Kids, and we just want to welcome you to worship here at St. John's this Sunday. I know things are a little strange right now. Things are a little different, but we're not here at church, but we are excited that you are here with us in your homes both in Elkhorn, across Wisconsin, and across the globe. This is really exciting. This is something new for us. We did it last week. We're going to continue to grow, and this is super exciting. And we also just want to give a shout-out to our kids. We miss you guys so much. We've been thinking about you and praying about you, and we hope that you get to do Kidsmen at your home. So tell your parents quick, log on to their email. I emailed them this morning, and I posted on Facebook. So whichever is easier, grab your parents' phone. Check out the so-and-so show. I sent an activity um, and some cool information for your parents. So quick, go get a device. Have them long, log on to it. We miss you. So with it being online, we're trying to do as much as we can uh, digitally. So if you're new to St. John's, fill out the welcome card. There's a link to it below. Also, we obviously aren't passing the plate, uh, but you can also give online if you have any questions about that. Feel free to contact us and we'll help you through that. Or you can mail in uh, a donation as well. Uh, we are trying to do everything we can to bring stuff to you, uh, bring services to you, uh, and help our community out. So St. John's is still here. We're really excited. There's a, it's a tough time right now. People are struggling with this. This is a great time for all of us to reach out to our friends and family. So please feel free to share what we're doing. Share it, share it, share it, both the Kidsman stuff and the services. We're excited that you guys are here and we're excited to worship. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we come today to you. Some of our hearts are heavy. Some of our hearts are fearful. But our hearts come with the hope, the hope in you, Lord, because you saved us. You are there when we're in fear, and you're there to love us, to care for us. So, Father, as we go forward in the next week, I just pray for those in the medical field. Lord, just give them strength for what they're going through, Lord. Allow them to feel your love and your peace. Encourage them. And allow us to just feel the comfort of you and to know how much you love us and how much you want us to rest in you. So now, Lord, as we continue in worship, I just pray that your heart and your hands go before us and you allow us to just simply rest in you. Thank you so much for who you are and for loving us. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So now as we continue in worship, we're going to hear from Pastor Tom, who will bring us the scripture. Well, good morning again. While I so wish that we could all be physically together, I'm so thankful that we have this ability to be together in worship while we are scattered in different places during this season. As I shared with our church uh, with an update earlier this week, God can use these seasons of being scattered to draw us closer to him, but also to encourage others to be drawn closer to him. And so if you know anyone in your family, in your neighborhood, 
neighborhood, in your group of friends who need some encouragement, there's never been an easier time to invite people to come to church with you. Send them a link, maybe uh, FaceTime with them while you worship, or do a watch party on Facebook, whatever it is, invite them to join us. We had over a thousand people join us over the course of the last week in our first worship service, and that included people from places as far as Alaska and Germany and Kenya. And these are individuals who have worshipped with us in our own pews. Uh, two of them were Holly and Fred Okoth. They are the missionaries in Kenya who we support as a church. And when I talked with them after worship, I said, hey, would you like to join us for worship this next week? And they're going to be doing that. They're going to be sharing with you a little bit later in the service the ways that COVID-19 has been impacting the community that they serve and how we can be praying for and encouraging and supporting one another. Now, I'm sure most of you can probably relate, but I feel like the past week has been just another week of, of roller coasters. I, I wake up every day, and usually in the earlier hours of the day, I, I feel hopeful, maybe after a full cup of coffee, a bowl of cereal, but then something comes up that sobers me or humbles me or scares me. For example, um, my wife Alyssa was reading the news one morning this week, and she shared with me this terrifying headline. It, it went like this, Hallmark will air a Christmas movie marathon to spread cheer while we're all at home this weekend. Now, I, I was still in bed when she told me this. I jumped out. I unplugged every TV in our house. I thought, we, have we not suffered enough already? Now, I know I probably offended a bunch of you already because you're watching this on Tuesday because you were watching the Hallmark Channel all weekend, including Sunday morning. If that's you, um, I forgive you. It's okay. We're all good. And in all seriousness, I get it, okay? Maybe Hallmark movies aren't my thing, but I have found comfort in um, old TV shows and series. Like, like I started watching The Office this weekend because I've watched it a, a thousand times from beginning to end. And there's just something about getting caught up in a familiar storyline, something that you know by the end is going to turn out good. And because you know that, and because you know the characters, and because you're, you're familiar with the story and what's about to happen, it just, it just seems to bring some level of comfort in the midst of all of this uncertainty. And, and that's kind of the segue that, that I want to use as we get into our reading today uh, from the Gospel of Mark. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you, open up to Mark chapter 8. Um, we're at the end of Mark chapter 8 or the beginning of Mark chapter 9. We're going to be in those places together, so join us um, as we go through that. And um, if you don't have a Bible, open up the Bible app on your phone. It's free. Just search for it in the App Store and uh, join us in that place. Now, we're in a series at St. John's that we're calling Serve. We started it back in February, and we're walking through the life of Jesus as we're reading the Gospel of Mark. And I was thinking and praying this week, and I thought, with everything going on, should we just change up everything we're talking about? And then I thought, you know, I can't think of a better um, thing or a more comforting story to, to really get caught up into than the story of Jesus, the story of God who loves us so much that he came and what he did was, was to promise to be with us in the midst of pain and in the midst of suffering and even in death. And, and because he walked through those things, there's hope for us. And so if you're just joining us, you came at the perfect time. We're only halfway through the story and the best part is yet to come. So you haven't missed anything. Now, the best part, of 
of course, is Easter. It's the, the moment where Jesus conquers death. But in order to get to that place, we've, we've got to get through the suffering and the separation uh, in order to get there. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. In, in Mark chapter 8, we begin at verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others say one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Now that last line, that last verse, verse 30, it, ne it never really made sense to me. Why would Jesus not want them to go around and tell everybody this wonderful news? That he is the Messiah, that he's the Savior. Like, like he had a three-year ministry. Why didn't he have the disciples going out all three years, standing out on the rooftops, saying to everyone, the Messiah is here. And, and, and we wonder that, right? You might wonder that too. And the reason you wonder that, and the reason I wonder that, is because we know the end of the story. We know where this story is going. Even if you're new to church, even if you're new to Jesus, even if you've never read the Bible, you probably know that Jesus died, and then three days later he rose from the grave. It's the ultimate comeback story from suffering and pain. But unlike us, the people in Jesus' day, they didn't know the story because they were living in real time. They hadn't watched every episode of the series. They, they didn't know all of those things yet. They were living in it. And so the path forward to them looked impossible. And, and that's one of the reasons why Jesus said not to tell anybody yet, because, because people just wouldn't get it. And I think about that like when, when I was reading headlines about COVID-19 racking the lives of people in places like China or Italy. I mean, a lot of us read the headlines, but just be honest, like, I don't know about you, but, but I, didn't, I didn't even comprehend the situation, and I still don't fully understand it, but these last days and weeks have made this a lot more real to many of us. And when things like this happen, I, I think our human nature draws us to some, some similar conclusions, some ways that we like to cope. Oftentimes we'll, we'll tell ourselves certain things when things are confusing or, or scary, like, like I just want to go back to the way things were, right? I just want to go back to the way things were, or, or, or things are really not that bad, or, or this is just a bad dream and I'm just going to wake up. And, and if you've told yourself any of those things, before I go any further, I just want you to know that's normal. That's totally normal. And, and because we're, we're, we're online together, I want to invite you to do something. Most people watch this on, on Facebook. And so if you're watching this on Facebook and you agree, and you've felt at some point that you just want things to go back to the way they were, or that this is just a bad dream, or you're just hoping this isn't as bad as, as, as they're saying it could be. If, if you felt that way at any point, I want you to press the like button right now, um, to, just to show the other people who are with us today that they're not alone. And I'm going to press that too, because I'm there, right? And if the disciple Peter was there, and if he was watching uh, the service and joining us together right now on Facebook, he would like that statement too, because this is what happens next. Verse 31, he, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, 
be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and then that Jesus must be killed and after three days raised again. And he spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. What Peter basically was doing is saying, no, this is not the life that I signed up for. This is not how it goes. This is not how it's supposed to be. And you just think, like, man, can't we relate to that right now? Can't we relate to that right now? I mean, didn't every one of us have something on our calendar this past week that, that didn't happen because of the circumstances? Don't we have things scheduled for the, the next weeks, the next months even, that are completely ruined or, or changed or postponed because we're going through what we're going through right now? Just, just earlier this week, um, I got an email from, from Aaron Troxell. He is one of the newest members of our, our church council. And, and he suggested that we turn off all the thermostats in the church to, to save money. And it was a great tip, and I thought, this is easy. And so I got into my car, and I drove out to the church, and, and I did that. And I, I turned off all the thermostats or turned them down, and I locked all the doors, and I turned off all the lights. It was dark outside at this point, and, and I left the front doors. But as I left... And as I walked away from the building, and I, I thought to myself, I, I just thought I was just stopping in to do something. I, I've done that countless times. But I felt this weight come over me. And, and I looked back at the building, and I cried. And I cried because we should be in that building together, shouldn't we? Like, we should be here together. It's not that the church is a building. It's not, but, but the building is not designed to be empty either. And so I, I just cried. I just, I, I don't know. It was just this, the weight of turning down the thermostats and closing the doors. It just, it, just, it just hit. And then the next night, I was putting my kids to bed, and, and my oldest son, he's 10, um, Jacob, he cried because I told him that, that school was, was closed indefinitely. And he cried because he misses his friends. He misses his, his teacher. And, and then the next morning, my, my two-year-old Sophie, she got out of bed and she, she crawled into our bed and then she jumped out because she's crazy and that's what she does. And, and um, she went over to our, our bedroom window and she stuck her head between the shade and the window. And we said, Sophie, what are you doing? And I'll show you a picture here too. You can see that on the screen. Um, she said, I'm looking over at Addie's house. Addie is the four-year-old girl who lives in our backyard at the, the house behind us. And every single day, they played together until all of this started. And now they don't play together at all. And so I think of Peter, right, who's, who's rebuking Jesus, who doesn't want Jesus to go through all of this. And we give him a bad rap. But you know what, guys? Like, aren't we the same? <laughs> like, isn't this us too? I mean, I mean God knew the coronavirus was going to come, right? right? He knew all of these things. He knows. I'm not saying he, he made it happen. I'm just saying he knew this was coming. And yet, how many of us in our prayers are, are looking up to God right now and saying, enough, God. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I wanted. See, when Peter decided to, to take up Jesus' call to follow him, he decided to follow Jesus because he thought Jesus was going to be a king, Right? And here's the thing, kings don't die, and then Jesus said that he was going to die. Well, Americans don't suffer from pandemics. But the truth is we're suffering. And the truth is Jesus would still die. 
But see, the hope is, is that the story isn't finished there. And so I want to read it again. This is what Jesus said to the disciples. He said, The Son of Man must, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. That he must be killed and, and after three days rise again. And it says, He spoke plainly about this. Now, what does it mean to speak plainly about this? It means Jesus said to them, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, but then I'm going to rise. But then I'm going to rise. And then it says Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Why would he rebuke him for that? Well, because he stopped listening when he heard the suffering part. He stopped listening when he heard the suffering part. And you know what? I stopped listening when I heard the suffering part countless times this week. When the weight of the inconvenience and the pain and the fear felt like the end of the story but it's not. It's not, and it wasn't for Jesus, and it isn't for us, friends. This is hard. This is really hard. We will suffer. Some of us already are. Some, some have, have died, right? But Jesus lives, and so will we. And, and what that means, the story goes that we will come out the other side. And so Jesus was so intent in this moment for the disciples to have hope that he rebuked what Peter said in front of everybody who heard it. In verse 33, when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan, because you don't have in mind the things of God, but merely human concerns. Now, what are human concerns? Human concerns focus on what will be lost, but the concerns of God focus on what will be found. And friends, that is the only way to hope. It's the only way to hope. Now, hear me. This does not mean that the loss is not indescribably difficult. It does not mean that. We don't, we don't know yet what the cost is going to be to us right now. There are people, like I said, who have died. Even in the state of Wisconsin, my own brother this last week lost his job. And so we can see the cost that people are already paying. And I think about the story of Jesus, and I think, man, Jesus came to pay the cost and the cost that he knew he was going to pay that would be so great that he would lose his life, that he would die. And here's the thing about Jesus. In the midst of all of that happening, on the night that he was betrayed, he prayed to God, if there's another way, would you take this cup from me? Have you prayed that? When he was up on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? But the thing was, Jesus still walked forward in faith. He walked forward in faith because the concerns of God gave him the assurance of what Paul would later say with boldness. And, and I'm sorry, um, he gave him the assurance of, of what was told back in the Old Testament. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may last for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And, and that's why after Jesus rebuked Peter, he said to the crowd in verse uh, 34 of chapter 8, he said, he said he called the crowd to him and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves Take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but for whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And so friends, what does that look like for us? What does that look like for you and me right now? It looks like a couple of things. It looks like faith and hope in the things of God. 
And that tells us that no matter what this season brings, what Paul wrote in Romans 8.31, see, I was so excited to tell you that earlier that I almost, I almost said it sooner, right? This is the hope, he says, and it stands true. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us in the final episode of the story that you know, friends. And so what does that glory look like for what we're facing right now? Well, I believe it's going to look like at least two things. The first is it's going to look like eternal life. It's going to look like eternal life. Jesus died so that we could live forever with him. Coronavirus is not more powerful than God. I have a friend who's a pastor in Milwaukee. His name's Paul. We went to seminary together, and he posted this on Facebook, and it was an encouragement to me. He said, when you're praying this week, would you pray about how small coronavirus is and how big our God is? Coronavirus is a pebble in comparison to a God who is a mighty mountain. And so that's one way that we're going to see the glory of God. The second way I believe that the glory of God is going to be revealed is when the followers of Jesus respond. Because we have hope and because we know the end of the story, it doesn't mean we're not going to suffer. It doesn't mean that, that we don't have moments like Peter where we say, I didn't sign up for this, or even moments like Jesus where we say, take this cup from me. Why have you forsaken me? But, but regardless of how this all plays out, God's glory will be revealed in what we do in the midst of it. It will be revealed in what we do. It already is. Look at, look at the serve survey. We, we asked you last week, and you can still fill it out. We want you to continue to use this as a tool to, to let us know uh, what you need and what you have to provide. And, and I have to tell you that in the first week, every single response that we received was not someone asking for something, but it was someone offering something to give. And I'll give you just a couple of examples. First of all, somebody said they listened to my sermon last week and felt compelled to offer toilet paper because they had a whole bunch of toilet paper, I guess, in their basement. So they have toilet paper. If you need toilet paper, let us know. We'll connect you to that person. Somebody else offered to give rides to those that need transportation. Uh, several people offered financial assistance to those in need, food to call people who feel isolated, um, size 2T and 3T pull-ups. So if you got a little one in your house and you need those, those were offered. Peanut butter, free child care if you need help with that. Tutoring for the deaf. Friends, now is the time to step up and serve our neighbors, to, to pray for one another, to not leave your house if you absolutely don't have to so that you don't spread this virus to others. That if somebody you know or somebody in our church loses their job, that, that maybe we'll step up and we'll help pay for the mortgage payments or we'll pay for their rent. If somebody needs groceries, can we go to the store? Can those of us who are healthy go and do that and drop it off at their door as a sign of love? We may be blessed to live in a country where our government is, is going to be willing to help with some of those things. And I'm so very thankful for, for what our government has done. And we need to pray for our leaders we need to pray for those who are doing their best to, to help us understand and to help us get through this. But as a church, friends, serving one another is our job. And in places like Kenya, the church is all the people have. Their, their, their government isn't going to step in. They're not going to be able to do that like we will. And so 
That's why I wanted to invite Holly and Fred O'Koth to, to join us this morning. They're, they're the missionary family at St. John's that we serve and that we support. And they're experiencing um, COVID-19 outbreak just like we are. And so let's listen to them now as they share with us what this looks like on the ground in Kenya right now. Good morning, St. John's. We are very happy to worship with you this morning from Kenya. Hello. Thank you very much, Pastor Tom, to have asked us to share with you about what COVID-19 looks like in Kenya. The first case of COVID-19 was on 13th Friday this month. The government shut down all schools, colleges, and even high schools, and also gave out a strong restriction on people who would come from abroad to get into Kenya. Many of the fears that we have for our beloved country, Kenya, are the same fears that you have in the US. We're concerned over the healthcare system, that they're not prepared for this pandemic. We're concerned for our economy in Kenya. And most of all, we're fearful for those that are most vulnerable amongst us. These are a few of the reasons that we're most concerned about these things. First, being the lifestyle in Kenya. The majority of Kenyans use public transportation. They use a matatu to get from one place to another, and it is a congested vehicle that is not cleaned on a regular basis. A lot of Kenyans live in slums and in congested housing. Houses are just a few steps from one another. We can't imagine how a virus like this could be contained and controlled in an area like a slum. And in these slums and many other communities, there's a lack of running water. So proper hygiene isn't a priority. Number two, the vulnerable in Kenya. As much as we fear for the elderly, but we are also concerned of our brothers and sisters who might have had a pre-existing condition in their life. Bigger percentage of our brothers and sisters in Kenya live with HIV, sickle cell, and TB. One month ago, I went to a hospital to visit one of my church members, and I found patients sharing beds due to lack of enough beds in those hospitals. So I wonder, mm -hmm. since the COVID-19 has been confirmed in Kenya, how the situation would be in these our hospitals around. Number three, the economy in Kenya. A lot of Kenyans live a lifestyle that we call hand to mouth. This means that they work each day casual jobs in their community and earn something small each day. With what they earn that day, they go to the market and they buy food for their family to eat for dinner for that day. This doesn't allow them to buy a stock and be prepared if our economy crashes. All markets were announced today have closed in Kenya. This means that the areas that these families used to buy their food have closed. That means that the prices will go up and it will be a lot more challenging for them to buy food for their family on a daily basis. <clears throat> Yesterday we were meeting in church with our leaders to prepare for the shutdown of our ministry. There was a woman amongst us who was a mother and she was scared. I encouraged her by saying that her young children should be okay because this virus isn't deadly among 
It's the children. I'll never forget her response to me. She looked at me in the eyes and said, I'm not scared that coronavirus will kill us. I'm scared that the hunger will. We still do believe that there is hope. Mm -hmm. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. And I was really encouraged when I was listening to the preaching online that Pastor Tom did uh, last Sunday on how the church was passing through persecution and then the disciples had to scatter almost in the entire world. So wherever they were, they never just went there and kept quiet. They went with the gospel of hope to people. Right now, in the entire world, there is hopelessness. Mm -hmm. People do not know what tomorrow holds for them. People don't even don't know what future will bring. I want to say that we can bring hope yes. to our neighbors. We can bring that faith. Mm -hmm. We can uh, reignite that faith in them by preaching to them the gospel mm -hmm. of hope of Jesus Christ. He wants us, we the believers, to bring hope to the yes. hopeless people around the world and especially the neighbor in any way possible any way that you can bring hope maybe by giving something but the most important one is the word of god encourage them be with them share with them the love of god yes amen thank you for keeping our community in your prayers we also keep your community in our prayers and we are thankful that you are a part of us we can do this together be safe saint john's Pastor Fred just reminded us, and I'm encouraged by his reminder, that, that as followers of Christ, we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus by bringing the hope of God to our neighbors, by serving them, by loving them, and by praying for them, bringing them the word of God so that they know that they're not alone. I know a lot of us have been encouraging one another in these days that, that we're not alone, that we're in it together. And I find it really encouraging to know that not only are we in this together as a local body, as, as people even in this country, but that we are together with our brothers and sisters in Christ halfway around the world in Kenya, that their church is praying for us. And I urge you to join us as we pray for them as well. Our leadership has been praying for them all week long, and we've felt led by God to give back 10% of all the offerings that come through St. John's this weekend. Uh, we want to give that to Kenya specifically for the COVID-19 relief efforts that Holly and Fred are going to be taking part in through their ministry. So again, 10% of every offering that is made this week uh, through St. John's, either online or by mail, is going to go to those efforts in Kenya. And that's in addition to the regular support that we send them every single month that comes out of our general budget. So it's really important that we continue to be generous and worship God through our offerings so that we can support the people in our own backyard and halfway around the world. What we remember in this moment is that we are the hands and feet of God as a tangible sign of what God told us 2,000 years ago through his son Jesus, that he would be with us always until the end of the age. Jesus prepared the disciples for the moment that he would die on the cross, that he would rise from the grave by telling them that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. 
We know he overcame the world by overcoming the grave, but he overcomes our world every single day by being present with us. And his presence is is reminded to us through this meal that Jesus gave us to share with one another. And so if you didn't prepare yet, that's okay. I want you to to get up and and maybe go to the kitchen, grab some bread, grab a cracker, uh, whatever you have around, and some water or grape juice or wine. Jesus turned water into wine, so I figure any liquid will work just fine. Here's the bread that I had in my pantry. I didn't go out to the store to buy anything special. But when you have these elements, would you just join me in a prayerful moment as we remember what Jesus did with his disciples. 2,000 years ago on the night that he would be betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat, this is my body broken for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat this, remember me. After the supper, he took the cup of blessing and he gave thanks and and he gave it for all to drink and said, take and drink this cup. It's the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, remember me. For as often as we eat this bread and as often as we drink from this cup, we're reminded that God is with us. That Jesus is with us, and we believe that that this meal draws us into his presence in a special and mysterious way, whether we're participating together in one place or we're scattered out like the early church. And so at this moment, I'd like you to to prepare your heart to receive this. And, And we don't care who you are, where you've been, whether you've ever stepped foot in our church or any church, if you believe that Jesus is your hope, if he is your hope, no matter, no matter what your circumstances are, what you've ever been through, what you're about to go through, whatever mistakes you've made, this blood and this body has paid for all of it so that your sins are as far as the east is from the west and his victory is yours and mine. And we want to receive that today the way we do every time we gather and it's by surrendering ourselves to him. And so I want to invite you to open up your hands. It's a a physical sign of letting go of our control and taking on the power of God as we open up our hands and surrender and pray the way that Jesus has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, friends, for joining us in worship again here at St. John's. Uh, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor, give you his peace. In the name of our God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I love you. We love you as your church family. If there's anything at all that you need, would you please reach out? Let us know. Go in peace. Have a blessing. My hope is built on nothing less. Jesus' blood